Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dustin McComas, joined once again, as always, by Drew Bishop. A Drew Bishop wearing proudly his Texas Rangers hat after his squad was victorious in Game 7 in Houston last night. Uh, they left no doubt. Adolis Garcia is now the most hated man in Houston, and the Rangers are on to the World Series. And uh, we are proudly brought to you by Hitforth the high-tech development center that produces pound-for-pound pound the most powerful and complete hitters in the state, located here in Austin, Texas. And we are excited to be joined by uh, the director of development at Hitforth, Andrew Chapel. Andrew, uh, first off, thanks for joining us. Um, secondly, quick take on the playoffs. Have you have you noticed anything? I, I know you got, when I was over at Hitforth a few weeks ago, you guys got the games on on, on the big screen back there. Um, in the strength and conditioning area. What have you thought of the playoffs so far? Yeah, I mean, first off, thanks for having me. Excited to be here and talk some shop with you guys. Uh, definitely always have it on in the weight room just so we can talk about it with the kids and watch a little baseball. Offseason gets a little laggy. We play some old games, but playoffs are pretty fun. Uh, just been really high intensity, and, and it's pretty fun. We got a lot of Astros, Rangers fans, obviously, so it's been kind of intense with those guys working together when the games are on, but it's been really fun to watch. Yeah, Andrew, you being the director of performance at Hitforth, let's first start with, um, you know, you coming back to the Austin area. You're from this area. You've got some roots here. Uh, but prior to that, you mean working in the Colorado Rockies organization, working with all the Los Angeles Angels organization on the strength and conditioning side. Um, you were the AA South Strength Coach of the Year uh, prior to joining Hitforth. So take us through those those few years and in, 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 in the process of coming back to Hitforth and and kind of what drew you back um, um, to joining the team there? Sure, yeah. So grew up in Austin, like you said, went to Westwood High School and then uh, played college baseball at Southwestern University up in Georgetown. Um, it was pretty tough to do the baseball life and school life and try and balance all that. So <laughs> I only lasted a year, um, did some assistant coaching up there, went to ASMI with Dr. James Andrews and kind of worked in their biomechanics lab right after college. And that led me into grad school at Texas Tech, where I got to work with the baseball team. And then that led me into professional ball in 2013. Like you said, with the Rockies, uh, two years in high A, Modesto, California, basically went right there because I had a baseball background and could throw BP. Uh, <laughs> You'll uh, always have a job if you can yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So if I was lucky, I might have gone higher. So, but, <laughs> Uh, so then from there, I went 2015, I was double A with the Angels uh, in Arkansas, the Arkansas Travelers, and then 16-17, triple A with the Salt Lake Bees, triple uh, A for the Angels. So came with some like big league spring training, uh, big league September call up basically with expanded rosters back then. Uh, so, you know, through my time there, I got to meet a lot of cool people, work with, you know, the best of the best and kind of see what everybody does. Um, took about three years off to handle some family stuff. And then 2021, I went back and was uh, in the first season with the Trash Pandas, which was the double A for the Angels. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Got some good merch. Everybody wanted hats and shirts for that. <laughs> yeah. so, um, but that was really fun. And then kind of, you know, I was married. So the, the uh, pro ball life is tough, even on coaches, right? Like there's long yeah. bus rides. I'm gone from January to September. So was looking for an opportunity in Austin where I could still you know, use my knowledge and had come across the hit forth Instagram page. And it was like literally two minutes away from my house. And so I kind of reached out and was like, I got to see what these guys are doing. They're tech centered. 
all of the stuff they were doing on the hitting side made sense from training standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hopefully they just, they want to add a strength component. And, you know, within 24 hours of emailing them, I was over here meeting with Lowell and the guys and, and talking about how we could build strength into this place. And so that was December of 2021. And I've been here since. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we talk about a lot about Hitworth and, you know, what makes Hitworth different uh, from, some other stuff out there and, you know, in different phases of the game, you know, I think a big part of development is understanding yourself and your body and what you do well and what you need to work on. And, you know, we're big proponents of the specialization and the personalization that you guys do at hit forth. Um, you know, having, having been in the college game and having a good strength coach when we were at Texas that, you know, understanding, you know, that you can't have a cookie cutter, approach to everyone you know it's different from position to position it's different from kid to kid within each position you know walk us through a little bit what a kid that comes into hit forth is going to experience on the strength side when when you guys do an assessment and then kind of how how a program works for a kid that um decides to take the next step with you guys for sure yeah so i mean day one when they're coming in they're doing the assessment um even on the hitting side if they just come to hit they'll do an assessment with me where i take them through um more or less like a mobility assessment i would say a lot of the you know 12 13 middle school age like their mobility is not too bad um, most most guys are kind of limited in the hips but everything else they're, they're pretty good um, so we'll just kind of look for any red flags there uh, about 15 20 minutes of a movement screen and then I'll take them into kind of my performance evaluation, which um, the base level is really just looking at their vertical jump. So getting some good like lower body power. We've got a jump mat in here that we could, we throw on them. Um, kind of we've got some baseline numbers that we're looking for to kind of give feedback. And, and that's really like a pretty good measure of power, which incorporates strength. Uh, we normalize it to their weight and can really give them like feedback of where they stand you know, where they should be and where we're tracking. Um, and then after they decide to sign up with me, then that's kind of when we go into a little bit more of the strength assessment. A lot of the things I'm doing is more watching them move throughout the lift um, and training and kind of like talking with them and seeing where they're deficient. And a lot of times, you know, when you ask guys what they like to do or don't like to do, the things they don't like to do are usually the things they're bad at and they probably need yeah. a little bit with it. So right. that, that can give you a lot of just asking questions and listening to them talk about how they play and, and what they like to do can give me a lot of insight into how they move and why they move that way. Along those lines, I know something that you guys take a lot of pride in is, is not just, you know, building strength. It's the component of pound for pound you know, stronger, more explosive athletes. Like, what does that mean to you when when you guys talk about, hey, we want to develop guys that are pound for pound, sure. the strongest um, hitters? Because to me, that's that's different than just going and throwing around big weights and doing bench and squat and everything like else. There, There's a specific way to go about doing that. Sure. And I definitely like that the foundation of what I do is strength. And strength is definitely important, but it's not the number one, right? Like I constantly am telling guys in the weight room that everything we're doing in there for what we do here is to make you better on the field. So our goals are not necessarily pound related. Our goals, you know, are really what can we do to make you play better? For some guys, that's like not having pain when they play. For some guys, that's like actually producing a higher output. Um, and so I think for me, mostly when I see guys, uh, whether they're training at school or on their own, 
you know, a lot of guys are on T nation and kind of doing like bodybuilder splits where it's like, Oh, today's a chest day, then a back day, then I'm squatting. Um, and it really focuses more on like singular movements instead of really trying to incorporate full body movements and, and training the body, how to work together. So I think a piece that a lot of people miss is like, yeah, we're getting stronger. The muscles are getting bigger. That's, that's all kind of secondary. What I'm really trying to do, especially with our younger guys is teach them how to move right to where we're, we're like training movement along with strength, giving them a little bit better awareness of where their body is in space. We're creating, I'm constantly asking guys, you know, where do you feel that, you know, change this position and see where that changes in your body. And now along with how much stronger they're getting, they're also learning these tools to like make adjustments when they're hitting or in the field. You know, if your coach gives you a cue to put your hands in a certain place, but you don't have that brain body connection to make that small adjustment, um, they're kind of spinning their wheels. So I think another piece of what we do here, besides just adding strength, moving faster, things like that, we're actually creating a little bit more awareness of where your body is in space and kind of like training athleticism more or less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the things that I, I, that always kind of caught my attention when it came to the get, when you start drilling down to the nuts and bolts of the, of the baseball strength uh, conditioning world, you know, it's just, it's so different than it was 20 years ago. Right. You know, back then, you know, when I was playing, a big emphasis was on just getting bigger, right? That was, that was kind of the key and kind of, you touched on a lot of that. Um, and I think people are starting to understand, you know, as more um, let's call it baseball strength coaches are being inserted into the profession. You know, back then it was most of the people's roots were in uh, track and field or football. And, you know, I think you saw a real disconnect with the game um, and, and over time it's, you know, it's positively grown, um, and you're starting to see people that really understand, you know, like you're talking about the movements, like how, how much do you incorporate, um, and how much, you know, would a kid's program differ, uh, based on their position, you know, like a catcher versus a middle infielder versus a corner guy versus, and then on the pitching side, a pitch pitcher versus, or excuse me, a starter versus a reliever. I mean, how much, how much difference do you see in, in your programs for, from kid to kid? It's, it's definitely different. And if they like baseball versus other sport, you know, we're focusing a little bit more on rotator cuff. Uh, we're throwing med balls. We're, we're working on rotational power. Um, it, I think it depends a little bit more of the level you're at. Like, yeah, if you're a big leaguer where it's like, I'm a reliever and my job is to pitch one inning, two innings every couple of days, then it's a little bit different. If, if I'm a high schooler and like I'm a starter, but I also play shortstop, like that gets blended a little bit more. Uh, I think especially like, you know, the middle school, high school age, we're, we're looking to make those well-rounded athletes. So when it comes to baseball, like arm care, rotation, like all that's going to be important. I think again, to that like sport difference, um, what I see a lot with most high schools, right? A lot of high schools are good at getting guys strong because they have to show up, they're lifting with the team and all they do, you know, right. you add a little bit of weight every time the movements, you know, squat, deadlift are, are pretty mainstream across the board and they're good movements. Um, but what I normally see is by the time a guy's a senior, if all they keep doing is adding weight, adding weight, they're strong, but they can't really express that strength quickly. And so a lot of things I talk about with with my baseball guys is to in order to express your maximal strength, it takes like 0.8 seconds. Right. So so they do these tests where you have to push isometrically without movement uh, as hard as you can. And it takes almost a second to go from zero to 100 percent. Well, in baseball, swing is like. 
0.3 seconds. So while your maximum strength is going to help that lower percentage, if we train kind of at that submax and work on actually recruiting muscles faster and like turning the muscles on and off at a quick space, that's where you're really going to see the difference. So like, it's kind of hard because I say, yeah, strength is super important. It does make you better at those other qualities, but you also got to train those qualities. Um, right. You know, I talk a little bit about like, if you think about NFL combine, they go in and bench 225, right? So some days when they're training for that, they are working on maximal strength and trying to bench 400 pounds, but also some days they go in and bench 225 because that's what they need, right? So kind of making sure we cover that whole spectrum of the speed strength. Yeah. I, I know you guys take a, a data-driven approach to all this. And one of the things when I was, I went by and visited, um, you guys, which I think is is one of the many reasons why you're unique from this component is you're not just tracking weight or percentages of weight or whatever. You guys are tracking how fast things are moving when, when these guys are working. The, discuss the importance of, of having that component in the data of how fast is that bar moving? Like you mentioned the vertical jump to me, which... I don't think people realize how much you can learn from just a simple vertical jump, you know, like, like, you know, discuss that kind of that data driven component and also the importance of like tracking things like, Hey, how, you know, it's not just the weight, like how fast is this guy moving the bar? Because again, it is about movements and explosiveness. Yeah. I mean, to me, data is awesome. I love, I have like 15 Excel spreadsheets with all my stuff on it <laughs> that I'm tracking and I'm like constantly looking at it and it's, and it's not, because I think that's the only way to coach. It's because it keeps us accountable to whether or not the guys are actually getting better. Um, so, so the way I train, I don't really want to have to go through and do like max days. Right. I know you guys, it's a, it's a cool thing at school or, you know, when you're with the right. boys and you're like, let's go one RM until we can't get it anymore. Yeah. But from a coaching standpoint, like it's kind of dangerous. Um, the form is going to get bad. So, so really basically I'm testing every single day. Whenever a guy gets under the bar, I turn on our perch system, which, um, has no wires or anything. It's just looking, catches the bar and measures the speed up and down. Um, so not only are we getting the weights, but we're getting the speed too. So if I have a guy, let's just say they're benching 135 pounds on day one, right. And I get a speed it's in meters per second and it's in like a 0.3 meters per second. Two months later, if we're warming up and we hit that 135 and it's like twice as fast, I know without testing him that he's now moving the same weight faster and that's like an increase in strength, right? And I can do that just from a daily measurement standpoint. Um, I can do it when I'm programming. So instead of saying, I got to know your max bench so we can work at 60% of your max today. I know kind of the range of the speed and I can say, Hey, today we're going to be between 0.6 and 0.7. And if you had a sleepover at your buddy's house last night, or you had games this weekend and, and now that 135 feels like 225, instead of just working at that one um, range, we can actually go off of the speed that you're pushing it. And so it's really cool to be able to train what you want to train daily instead of just relying on a max that you did two months ago. Yeah. Yeah, you touched on something uh, that that brought up another question for me that I, you know, eat, it, as crazy as it sounds, even at a place like Texas, like there are plenty of kids that don't don't understand this by the time they get there, and it, some of them it takes years while they're there to understand this. But you mentioned sleeping over at your buddy's house. You know, I I think that a big component, you know, like you talk about, everyone wants to see the the obvious gains physically the guys go through when they get into a weight program. But 
Talk a little bit about, you know, and you saw it firsthand being in pro ball a lot too, and, you know, probably separated a lot of guys that have really long careers because they understand this and there's no need to get granular, but um, talk about, you know, a basic importance of stuff like recovery, as far as stretching, yoga, hydration, sleep, you know, there's a lot of stuff that in, in our game that you can't control, but some of that stuff is stuff that you can control. And it's, it's infuriating to watch kids that have such so many gifts, just ignore that part of it. You know, they, they don't, I don't think that kids, especially in high school, I mean, a lot of them aren't, you know, they're not presented with the information or they're not taught or coached, but talk a little bit about the importance of, of that area uh, and, and how it affects the development for kids at that age. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the studies are out there, right. When it comes to sleep, like there's huge performance drop-offs, especially when it comes to power, um, you know, whether it's like a one day not sleeping or, or multiple days, or even if it's, you know, your routine to only get five hours of sleep on the weekend. Um, but the kind of, we talk about the granularity a little bit. I have, you know, parents come ask me, you know, what, what should our macros be, right? How much protein, how much fat should we be counting this? And like 95% of people, even at the big leagues, right? Like we're looking at the three main things of sleep, hydration, and nutrition. And like, we're trying to hit the big low hanging fruit, right? Like we don't have to be perfect in everything, but there are some easy ones we're trying to get. And that's like minimum eight hours every night. Um, when it comes to hydration, we used to say half of your body weight in ounces and in ounces of water, and that's outside of like sweating. So, you know, if you're if you're an average college guy, you're 200 pounds. So we need 100 ounces of water, just normal daily living, in order to for everything to work right. Whether that's like synthesizing protein, everything works better when we're hydrated. Uh, you think of like beef jerky versus not bite. Like which one's going to yeah. move faster? Right. We need to yeah. be hydrated. Yeah. Um, the nutrition side again. I'm not a nutritionist, so I don't get into the small details. Um, but we're trying to get protein at every meal. Uh, we're trying to get, you know, our body weight in ounces. So, you know, again, 200 grams of protein, which is really, really hard spread out throughout the day. So you have to be intentional, right? Like if you're at your school lunch and a high, as a high schooler and you're just eating a pizza, like it's okay every once in a while. But if that's your routine, you're not really getting a ton of nutrients from that. Uh, and so kind of like talking about these guys about, you know, what they do away from me. Cause even, you know, my ideal guy is coming in three times a week. Well, that's three hours a week. So everything yeah. you're going away from me is probably a little bit more important. What we're doing here is very important, but those like habits that you're doing every single day are, are huge. So making sure that we at least get those low hanging fruit and make sure we're on the right track. Yeah. You're, you're speaking to uh, two fathers of, of three-year-olds <laughs> in like one-year-old range. So we're the <laughs> eight sleep hours in the eating. Like <laughs> we're not, we're not doing what we should be doing to get those gains um, in the weight room right now. But um, you mentioned, you know, one of my favorite words and one of the, the things I think distinguishes y'all from different um, development places or however you want to phrase them um, is the word accountable because you guys are tracking about everything you can track, but you're also, you're giving, you're arming these guys with constant feedback, whether it's the video component, whether it's um, this data point or this strength measurement or this vertical thing or how fast you're moving or whatever it is. Um, what does that look like? Let's say, you know, a guy comes in and 
he goes through an assessment and he decides to join um, the program. What kind of feedback um, is he getting, um, not just during a workout, but but afterward? Uh, because I think, you know, one of the most fascinating things y'all do is that you arm these guys with that feedback in all sorts of ways, but you also arm them with the programs. Like you said, you might only see these guys three hours a week. You guys arm these guys with the programs to, hey, here it, here it is for you. You know, if you want to continue to keep getting after it, we've laid it all out there for you. Um, to go look in there and try to tackle it. Yeah. I mean, I try and be basically like an unlimited resource for these guys, whether it's, you know, texting questions, something came up. Um, I feel like basically my job is to, to teach them some lifelong skills, you know, whether, whether it ends with, with your senior year in high school or you play college ball, or you're lucky enough to go play professional ball, you know, you're going to come across a lot of coaches you're going to have some good ones, but like at the end of the day, you're going to have to be your own coach. So I am able to give as much information as they want. And I'm trying to like arm them with the things that they need um, constantly, just trying to introduce new routines, whether it's like a pregame stretching routine, uh, pregame activation, anything like that, that I feel like is going to make them a better player and kind of empower them to do things on their own. So far, like one of my favorite anecdotes over the last couple of years is I had a seventh grader who was new to lifting and, you know, he had been with me for three or four months. He was still lifting at school. Um, and so he actually, they had a deadlift day in class and none, nobody else knew how to do it. And, you know, it's a 40 person class. So the, the teacher wasn't fully engaged necessarily, but he taught his co like classmates how to do a deadlift based on what we taught. So like, you know, that was just a really cool, probably like the coolest moment outside of all the PRs and, you know, the big lifts was that like gave this guy the knowledge and the confidence to teach other people. And like, to me, that was just really, really cool. Yeah. Probably you know, teach me. What? I could probably use the help. <laughs> <laughs> no, you would just get hurt. Um, probably. Yeah. So one, I always thought, and this might be helpful for some of the guys that, that you, um, you work with, but one of the biggest adjustments, I think, for a lot of kids moving from high school to college when it comes to strength and conditioning is a lot of them aren't used to lifting in season. Um, and I think, you know, I, you always get some funny looks when you say, well, all right, let's just think about this. When do you think pro guys in pro ball lift when they play every single day? So mm. at some point you're going to be lifting in season. Um, and, and you could always tell a noticeable difference from the kids that had done that and had sort of a routine from that. But then we got a lot of kids that would show up that had never, never even thought about lifting in season because they, you know, they, they just assume, they just assume that you stay on a similar program, you're lifting heavy, so you don't want to be tired or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Talk about a, a little bit about the importance of of in-season training and, and explain, you know, some ways that you can accomplish a lot of the stuff. So you don't lose everything that you've built in the off season. Yeah. I mean, for me, in-season training, especially when we're talking youth, like their in-season is all the time of the year now. Right. Like yeah. it's not yep. like yep. they're only playing three months and you could just take that off and not be too bad. You know, most of my experience, six years in minor league baseball is in-season. Right. So guys are lifting every day and, and it's a tough thing to, to balance. And, uh, you know, every single day we got something and a guy finally gets an off day and you kind of have to judge like, OK, should we get out <laughs> yeah. lifting or should we give him a day off? Right. Um, and that's kind of where the, the coaching side of it comes in uh, for a high schooler, college guys. Right. Like the schedule's a little bit more spread out, predetermined. So you can have 
a pretty aggressive program and, and still be okay. Uh, for the most part, I see like like middle school, high school, they're nervous about being sore, right? They don't want right. to go out and be sore. But if you're sticking on a fairly consistent program, the soreness kind of goes away, right? Most of our soreness comes with new things, whether that's, you know, changing the volume, changing the set and rep, doing fully new exercises. Um, so if your body's used to that stimulus, it's really not a huge taxing thing on it. Um, I, th I think the biggest thing, the misconception is a lot of people think, okay, even if I'm going to train in season, I want to go in and I don't want to lift heavy because I don't want to be tired. So then they're doing like four sets of 12, which from like basic physiology, like that's a way higher demand on the body because it's more reps, it's more time, it's all that. So really like my philosophy in season is we still lift heavy, you know, the volume stays low. We're doing, you know, four sets of two reps at 85% max. And, you know, as long as we can stay pretty consistent, getting at least like twice a week lifts in, like not only are we not going to see a decline, we can still probably improve, especially with like middle school, high school, like really the biggest thing, even outside of in-season training is the consistency, like showing up, doing something every week, even if it's not a hundred percent, like just getting those reps and getting extra touches every week is you're going to see improvement. So yeah, just, just being consistent with that. And that's kind of what I talk about. Um, for most guys, you know, when should they start lifting? If it's in middle school, you know, I, I tell people you're going to do it in high school, right? So if you want to play high school ball, you got to start. And it's the same thing. You know, you, you may not want to train in season because you're not sure of it, but if you want to keep playing at higher levels, like you're going to do it eventually. So you might as well kind of like prep your body and get ready to do it because it's going to happen. You just mentioned, you know, something I wanted to ask you, which I think, you know, parents might read about, you know, strength training and performance training and, and this sort of thing. And they've got a kid that's in middle school. And I think it's common for people like, oh, they're they're too young, you know, like, oh, they're going to mess up their growth plates or, you know, something's going to happen. But you guys, I think, do a great job of of you know, not only just personalizing everything, but being able to personalize distinct differences in age groups. Like, um, you know, take us through how, you know, training a seventh grader um, might be different than training a junior in high school and that it's, it's okay to start at this young of an age, you know, talking to Lowell, I mean, he loves that his son Mac, like, started at, at such a young age and just the knowledge and, and the movements of your body and, and that pound per pound element. But, um, you know, just maybe take this through like, A, it's okay to start training that young of an age and B, like how you guys are able to specialize those programs for a wide uh, a gap in ages. Yeah. So kind of the first part about like it being okay to train at a young age, um, basically, where people our age, the knowledge of it said when we were growing up that you shouldn't start lifting because, you know, like you said, you're going to get injured, your growth place. There's definitely a risk to lifting at all, at all ages, right? It's not a zero risk. And that's why you want to make sure that the things you're doing kind of match up with your goals. Um, so if you're a younger kid lifting, for me, it takes a little while until we're actually loading the movement, right? I want it to look good. You can get a lot of work done putting a 10, 11 year old and having them do body weight lunges split squats, like single leg strength, they're not comfortable on it. It, it. They, you don't need extra weight. Right. So kind of making sure those movements are down pat. Um, I talk about it pretty common to like call somebody country strong, right? So if you grew up on a farm, 
probably since the age you were like five, you're carrying uh, pails of milk, you know, you're active, yeah. you're picking up bales of hay. And so just because that external load is made of iron and not like hay doesn't make <laughs> it inherently more risky, right? Like, right. like, yeah, you can do the wrong stuff, but in general, adding load is not that dangerous. Pretty much everything you're doing playing baseball at nine years old, 10 years old is a higher risk injury than anything you could do in the weight room under like reasonable circumstances. So like sprinting is one of the highest loads you can put on the body. Throwing is crazy. Everybody knows that, right? So the idea that just because you're holding a 10 pound weight instead of sprinting is more dangerous is like a little bit outdated. You can still do things wrong. Uh, so here at Hipforth, because of our environment, we really start at like 10 or 11. Uh, just because the younger you are, you probably shouldn't be like in a stationary stance doing, you know, squats. Their training should look different, right? They should be running, jumping, rolling, doing things a little bit more active. Um, so that's why we start at like 10 or 11, you know, around sixth, seventh grade. Uh, and go up from there. And so the difference is, again, I think that's the next piece we were talking about, like a, a beginner versus, you know, a high schooler. I don't care at all about the weight, right? Like, like the weight output is secondary for somebody who's learning. And I want to make sure that they've got the movement down, that they understand it. And surprisingly, like the middle schoolers are, are totally fine, you know, doing 10 pounds for two months. You know, high schoolers always want to add more weight, even if yeah. they know it's, it's a bad movement. But like the guys who are new to lifting just get kind of fired up to be in there. Uh, and so one of the things that I feel like is really important, especially for the new guys, is to make it a fun environment. And that doesn't mean we don't work serious. But like, you know, if you're 12 years old in seventh grade, your training probably shouldn't feel like a grind you know, where you're like going in and you're like, oh, I don't want to be here, you know, because we're asking guys to be here two times a week for an hour. And so if you don't want to do it as a seventh grader, that's going to make your whole training different. So you know, while while we get really good work done, like try and have fun, uh, introduce different games to to try and make it interactive. And and most of the kids who do train here, their parents say that they want to keep coming back and and they really do. Enjoy it. And that's important. You should enjoy the training, even though it can be hard. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think we come across quite a bit and a big reason why we do this podcast and enjoy uh, having guests like you on is we deal with a lot of misinformation, right? There's a lot of bad information out there when it comes to youth baseball or baseball in general. And I know that that's very commonplace in the strength world too. There's a lot of gimmicky products out there or shortcuts or, you know, fad programs that, you know, don't haven't actually been tested to see if they're safe long-term. Um, you know, what are some things that either you see along those lines that people come to you with that can be frustrating or, or just some, you know, some general knowledge of, um, you know, I think that, you know, you've touched on it quite a bit already, just the teaching guys to be athletes and move the right way. What are some just kind of basic tenets of what you do or what you see out there that you think are helpful for parents or kids that are listening to to think about or or know or understand? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of one of the things that I hang my hat on is like the basics work, especially at, at younger age, right? Like I think, you know, whether it's talking about training baseball players or like how to lose weight as an adult, right? Like everybody wants there to be some crazy secret, um, you know, something that only a 
an expert would know. But the reality is like, if you do a lot of the little things right, uh, showing up and, and kind of getting strong at basic movements, like you're going to see a lot of gain. And yeah, the higher you go, the more complicated it gets and the more variables it is. Um, but really just like keeping it simple, doing some basic movements and like slowly progressing weight, especially as you're starting off, like that's huge. Um, you know, make sure the movement looks good. And I think that's, that's the hard part for me is that I, I want, you know, the young people, I think they can show a lot of gains, but they got to be moving. Right. Um, so yeah, maybe like an 11 year old doesn't necessarily need a one-on-one -on -one coach to show strength gains, but if you're just training on your own or with a parent who doesn't fully know what a squat should look like or what a deadlift should look like, and now you're kind of building strength on that. And then you're a freshman in high school. And now you want to start training with a coach. We might have to go undo some of the things that we did just because you didn't fully know what you were trying to coach. Um, so I think getting the basics of the movement down early is like really important, not super complicated, but it, it should look right if you're going to train. Um, so making sure that you have like a decent understanding of, you know, a squat, a hinge, a deadlift and kind of introducing those patterns to the kids is just is like super important and then trying to be consistent. Um, I also would say like just a general guideline, I think parents sometimes when they're the ones training their kids, that's a hard thing, you know, especially yeah. on the hitting. We get a lot of parents around, you know, the middle school age where it's like, I can't be their coach anymore because, you know, we butt heads and, and, you know, the communication's hard and it's the same thing on a strength side, right? Like we want to make sure we create this environment where they're open to listening and taking feedback. You know, even if we're saying similar information, the, the source of the information can be pretty important when it comes to that, like, parent kid relationship coach kid relationship that's that's all really important yeah yeah and, and one of the along that note one of the things that i really like is you know just when you guys were showing me the programs for the players away from the facility like there are constant video examples like you know if you're something like hey man i man coach was talking about this and i kind of forget how to do it like you guys arm these guys with the opportunity to log on and say, Hey man, you need a video example. Here it is. If you need a guideline, here it is, which I think is a, one of the reasons that that separates you guys. Um, so, you know, we're, we get into the cage now, you know, what are you looking for as a director performance that along with your data on, on the performance and the strength side um, kind of lets you know, Hey man, we're making some progress here. Like he, he's, you know, my guy is actually, going and taking some of the components we're working from on the performance side and it's it's starting to translate to where everybody wants to see the most gains which you know for y'all is on the hitting side in the batter's box what are maybe some things you're kind of looking for that let you know that okay yeah we're we're making some progress here um and, and we're training these guys to be the you know pound for pound you know strongest hitters and creating that that explosiveness and that exit velocity and those types of things so for sure, I, I lean heavily on the the hitting guys here, right? Like they they know the swing so much more than me and they can kind of pinpoint those things. Uh, but really, like I listen for how they interact with the coach, right? So um, I'm, I'm listening to how they're feeling their body, kind of like what I mentioned earlier, right? You know, if we're, if we're talking to, to try and coil and hinge into your hip a little bit and they had no idea, but now they kind of understand because we just did that movement 30 minutes ago. And now they can kind of replicate that feeling or they've, they've been exposed to some different movements in that plane where they, they understand it um, a little bit more. I think, too, one of the biggest things I see from guys who train to don't train um, 
at the specific age is when they go from that drop five to the drop three. Like that's a big change for a lot of people, even outside of swinging the bat, like going to 90 foot, like full field bases where you start to feel like you're running in quicksand because you got to go (laughs) there. Like those are the biggest things where I see guys that have been training that they're able to kind of increase that power output, uh, whether it's swinging a bat or running that they don't get bogged down quite as much. You know, like, like I said, we have the data that tracks what happens when people make those switches. And most people are going to see a pretty big decrease. The guys who have been training and have like a pretty good strength, um, they're going to recover a little bit quicker, right? Like no matter what, you're going to see the drop-offs, but they're going to all of a sudden jump back up. And we've got, you know, plenty of plenty of guys who have made that switch who have trained and it ha- hasn't been a big deal. And a lot of guys who haven't been training and it's a little bit harder to kind of get over that plateau. It takes a little bit longer to feel good swinging that bat. Um, So it's things like that that I'm kind of looking for. I think from a basic watching a swing, you see a lot of stability uh, with my younger guys, whether, you know, they're trying to produce a lot of force when they swing a bat. And if they can't handle that with their core, um, they're going to be falling over or they, they have to basically initiate force on their swing and and make like a long swing where they come around it because they don't have the ability to just push they have to get a little bit longer so that's where we can actually start to see those mechanical changes once they start getting stronger and they can actually do some of the things that will produce like a better swing and better outcomes yeah that's a great that's a great response i you know one one of the things too you know i a lot of kids are kind of wrapping up their fall right now um kind of heading into that off season phase between now and middle of January, almost when they're um, when they're getting ready to gear up for their high school seasons. But, you know, this is a, a critical time for development. You know, what are, what are some things that you would tell a kid as he heads into that period of time? If you're a middle school, high school guy, you know, a lot of middle schoolers probably playing some basketball um, and maybe some high school guys too, but majority of those guys are getting ready for their, high school baseball season, what, what are some, you know, takeaways or uh, just things that you would pass along to a kid in that, in that spot right now, as he finishes up fall ball? Yeah, I think I was actually talking to have some high school guys um, last night, like, you know, we got about three months here, you know, come February, what are some things that you're going to be wanting to do better? Right. Because if you get to February and you're like, ah, oh, man, I just wish I was a little faster. Like it's kind of too late. Right. So, yeah, right identifying what that is right now. You know, like you said, people who weren't playing football, if they played a little bit of fall ball, like probably identified some areas of their game that they feel like weren't quite what they wanted it to be. And so like kind of reflecting a little bit, you know, whether it's journal, I'm pretty big on journaling, but like kind of being able to step back and evaluate um, if you're, if you're a little younger, like talking with your parents, um, you know, kind of figuring out what you think you could do better um, cause I think generally most people are like, oh, I want to do everything right. I want to hit the ball further. I want to run faster. And so while that's all good, identifying a couple of things and being able to set some like, you know, goal setting, working on some of that to where it's a tangible goal at the end. And then you can do a couple bullet points of like, okay, I want to be able to hit the ball 80 miles per hour off the tee. Like, okay, now what's it going to take to get there, uh, and kind of develop that plan and make sure, you know, I think one of the things we talk about when it comes to strength is whether it's people waiting or in general, they think it'll just come. Right. So like it doesn't really work like that. So 
when you're setting the goals, making sure that you're able to take the next step and be like, okay, how do I get there? Cause it's great to say, you know, I want to throw 85, but then like, okay, what am I willing to do over the next three months to get myself to that position? And so I think, you know, evaluating that, setting some goals and then having some realistic, you know, ways to get there is, is pretty important, like life lessons and along with training. Yeah. You mentioned something a while back. I just wanted to reinforce before we kind of wrap this up is like the being able, like the, the movement component that you do and, and that you guys are teaching is so critical because like you said, when you get into the box, you're listening for guys that hear these cues and are able to understand what they're doing with their body. You know, like, it's like, oh, okay. Like I know what that means as opposed to somebody that like, gets in the box and takes some swings and don't really know what's, what's going on with their body. Cause that's just such a critical component as you go up in levels of being able to adjust and things like that. So I think that's a great point. But uh, before we get out of here, Drew and I always like to ask our guests, if you played during the NIL era, what would be kind of your dream NIL scenario? Like, like, like what is Chappie trying to get on the NIL side? That's just going to make his, make his day and, and, and help him out. Like for Drew and I, it always ends up kind of going towards the, like the food or like swag area. We, we've um, had some, what, we've had some good ones recently. We have had some good ones recently. What did David Pierce, what did he say? Like golf balls or something like that? Because yeah, we've just, had golfing, we've had fishing related yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, we, you know, let's pretend that you're back at Southwestern and they were doing some big NIL deals what what kind of stuff would you have been looking for? Man, that's tough. I mean, I think my mind immediately goes to, like you said, like apparel, like shoes or clothes, because yeah. like I'm, I'm pretty basic when it comes to what I'm wearing. So if I and I'm cheap with it, too. So if I going to give me like high quality stuff and like kind of make my wardrobe, I'd have been all about that. What what's your go to? Are you a are you a Nike guy? Are you a Lulu guy? Blurry, no, they, well, they've got they've got the. There, I mean, Drew and I are like gear, like not snobs, but like I don't, I, I rarely, I you'll rarely find me wearing something that I yeah. have paid. They've got and some any, any really, really good looking New Balance stuff that I am oh. just like, give me all that stuff, man. Like it's 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 the gym. So yeah, like you you're you're you got to be a proud New Balance yak logo guy right that's it that's what we got on the on the gear uh shoe wise i do love metcons um so yeah yeah Nike I've, metcons got, I've got a couple of pairs of i i stashed a bunch of stuff i i was very i wear stuff until i can't wear it anymore mm-hmm. so i when when we moved back and i left texas i've i've still got like closets full i've got i got about three or four untouched pair of metcons so i i feel you on that Great training shoes too. Really, really good to train in. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I mean, every time I talk to you, I feel like I learned something and, and obviously my days of, of development are, are long, long gone. Although I think at some point we might have to do a swing assessment and like for me and just see what happens there might, might make for some good t- content, but uh, you can check out the guys at hitforth.com and also at Twitter on Instagram at hit forth as well. And, um, I love it. I mean, you, you go to the website, um, you know, within the first three months of training, your hitters gain an average. That's just an average of 5.8 miles per hour of max exit velocity, which I don't think people understand how big of a game that is like, 
I mean, that could be the difference in, you know, significant amounts of batting average on base, slugging, all those sorts of things. I know you guys got some uh, some one-time 45-minute trial sessions going on right now as well, available Monday through Friday at 2, 3, 4, and 8 p.m. Um, anything else you want to plug or talk about or, um, you know, this is your opportunity to kind of have a final platform here to, um, you know, we have a lot of parents and, and players that listen to this and, you know, give you a chance here to just talk about Hitforth and what you guys are doing right now. Yeah, I mean, I think everything you said, spot on. Um, I think definitely what we do here that's that's really special is because we have the data um, and we're constantly tracking whether it's on the strength side or the hitting side. We're not asking you to, like, trust us that we can make the guys better. We're, we're like, show you every time you come in. Um, and so being able to do that, you know, I think sometimes when you're just hitting in a cage and it's a line drive, like, it can look good, it can sound good, but you don't ever actually know unless you're measuring it. Uh, so so I think that keeps everybody accountable, whether it's us as coaches or the players or the parents, like being able to provide that real-time feedback. And that's, you know, not with just elite players. We've, we've taken high schoolers who hit the ball 75 and after like eight months, we're hitting the ball in the mid eighties with lifting and training. You know, we've, we've seen really, really big tangible you know, provable gains uh, on the hitting side and the strength side. And I think that's just, you know, really powerful uh, long-term to be able to, to show that and not just ask you to trust us. Awesome. Yeah. And to your credit, I mean, you can go on the website and there's video, there's testimonials, there's data, like it's all right there. And like you said, it, it's a, it's a wide range of players. You guys aren't getting the the all district junior varsity guy coming in there and improving some, I mean, it's really, really young players who go from, you know, the minus five to the BBCOR and are still getting gains and the high school players and the college players as well. So um, go to hitforth.com and check it out because um, these guys can back up everything they talk about with results. Um, so Andrew, thanks again so much for joining us and uh, hope you have a great week and, and I hope to pop by there again soon. And, uh, until um, we see you next time, uh, good luck and uh, best of luck with Hit Fourth. All right. Thank you guys very much. It's great talking. Yeah. You bet. We'll see you.